Hi there. Welcome to City of Love, the online gathering of Kirkpatrick Memorial Presbyterian Church. We're on Gathering 11. It's crazy. It's nine weeks since we shut up shop on the Newtonards Road and opened up on YouTube. And I'm beginning to wonder when we'll ever be back. Some of you might have heard that my wife Claire has been out walking 11 miles each day this week uh, for a charity fundraiser, uh, Monday to Friday. 55 miles over five days with eight other walkers. So the nine of them together have uh, walked a virtual Camino de Santiago. Uh, perhaps you know about the Camino by now, uh, a 500 mile path from the French Pyrenees in the east of northern Spain, right across the country to Santiago de Compostela in the west of the country. The path's been used for at least a thousand years and more as a pilgrimage. It's all got me thinking about pilgrimage once more. A few weeks ago in Psalm 85, I read these words, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. What a beautiful picture of life. A pilgrimage. A journey to God. During this lockdown season, our travel has been curtailed. Uh, we're looking at a summer without any trips far from home, probably. But we can still go on a pilgrimage. Each one of us can choose to set our hearts on journeying with God and further into God. In my journey through the Psalms, I've just started reading the Songs of Ascent, 15 Psalms that the pilgrims used to sing on their way up to Jerusalem as they headed up for the annual festivals. Yesterday's Psalm was number 122. And it starts like this. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Isn't that brilliant? The pilgrims will have been a really diverse crowd. They'll have left all sorts of situations at home. They'll have experienced all sorts of mixed emotions on their journey. But there's one passion that they all share. They can't wait to worship together. Come on, let's join in with them. Come, now is the time to worship. Let us pray. Father God, we're so glad to be able to come to worship you today. Our church building may be closed, but your doors are always open. Lord, there are very good reasons why you shouldn't be open to us. You're perfect and pure and full of life. We carry the stain of our sin and are destined for death. And yet you invite us to come with confidence into the most holy place of all, into your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you broke quarantine to come among us. Thank you that you risked infection, that you might deliver the cure. Thank you that you found the vaccine for our virus and that you paid for it at the cost of your own life. Thank you for your blood, which purifies us and makes us clean. Thank you that we can be forgiven. Jesus, we take a moment just now to confess the sins of the past week to you. We celebrate your forgiveness. We thank you that we're clean. Thank you that you've torn the curtain in two so that our isolation from our Father might end. 
Holy Spirit, come among us now and help us to set our hearts on pilgrimage. Help us find our strength in you. Amen. Many of you will remember fondly the two assistant ministers uh, we've had over the, the years of the last decade. So David McCullough uh, came first of all, and then more recently Richie Cronin. Well, this morning of some great news, uh, we have a new assistant minister uh, joining Kirkpatrick just now. His name's Paul, and I'm going to introduce you to him with a Zoom recording in just a moment. Before we do that, Alan's going to come with a message for the kids, and then we'll sing today's children's song. Good morning, Sunday Clovers, um, or maybe it's good afternoon. Uh, if it's anything like it is in our house with this whole flex church idea, and uh, maybe you're watching this a little, a, a little into the afternoon. Whatever time it is, um, hello, Alan here from Sunday Club, um, and listen, I trust everyone's doing okay. Um, we've had a bit of sunshine back. Um, although some really strong winds. Uh, we'll have the bank holiday tomorrow, uh, so hopefully everyone is in pretty good spirits. Um, but it's hard, isn't it, all this lockdown stuff. Uh, I really miss being in church, um, and I'm sure you guys miss being in school, seeing your friends. Um, I really miss playing my guitar in church, I miss singing along with everybody, and I really, really miss a Sunday club. Um, now hopefully lots of you might remember, uh, a few weeks back, um, I think it was actually right at the beginning of, of, of lockdown, uh, we asked you to uh, get involved in a project, which was to record yourself doing the actions and singing along to the uh, the song All About Jesus. Well, we had a great response to that, and um, it's, I just loved seeing all those videos coming in. And it was great with the final result when we shared it out with everybody, um, and uh, it just helped everybody feel a part of something, to be together, even though we're kind of apart. Um, and... Uh, we just felt it was time to do another one of those. So I'm really hoping that we can get even more people involved this time. So your mums and dads and anybody who's watching this video do, do feel that you can get involved. Um, the song we're going to do this time is a real favourite of mine. Um, and it's really special because uh, a couple of years ago, a holiday club, the theme was Unexpected Rescuer. And we had a song at that time with the same title. And, but not a lot of people maybe know that the song was written by our very own and very talented Roger Cook. Uh, Roger, who, who, who plays the piano in the Holiday Club Band, and, uh, and you'll see him at the front of the church, um, and uh, you know, playing the piano or, or, or sometimes leading the service. So Roger put this song together. He wrote the music, he did the words, and it was a really uh, a great song that helped us learn in a, in a fun way um, that Jesus is our unexpected rescuer. Now back then, we, we learned that at the time that Jesus was living, uh, you know, God's people, they were expecting a Messiah, uh, someone to rescue them, but nobody expected that it was going to be Jesus. He, he was a, a, a baby born in a stable, the son of a carpenter, not a king or a warrior or somebody rich and powerful. Uh, he was the last rescue that anybody expected. And you know, right now, uh, we need to remember that Jesus still is and always will be um, you know, our rescuer. There's loads of talk about when we're going to come out of lockdown, uh, when we're going to get a vaccine, when things are going to go back to normal. But what we know is that Jesus is here. He knows us, he knows the plans he has for us, and he has already saved us. We're safe with him, and even though things aren't easy right now, um, and they're going to be hard for, for, for a while yet, they're so much easier when we remember that Jesus is our unexpected rescuer. So keep that in mind uh, and we'll get started. It's dead easy, the same deal as last time. If you look in the extra section of today's service, uh, you'll see a video with the brilliant Anna and Louise Irwin doing the actions to the, the song uh, and there'll be lyrics on, on screen so you can sing along as well. So we want to hear lots of singing, we want to hear uh, you know, lots of shouting at that part of the song um, and uh, just record your video, singing along, doing the actions and we need to do the whole song. So uh, remember that Fraser Mottram, we want to do the whole song. Um, and once you're done with your video, get your mum or dad to send it to me on WhatsApp. Uh, my number is here on the screen if you want to pause for a second and take that down. So um, send it to that number uh, and we'll make sure that's in the email update and we will um, send a link to the video as well. Now one more important thing. 
We're hoping to have the video ready, um, maybe not for next Sunday's service, but the one after that. It takes a few days to put it all together. Um, so if you could have your video sent over to me, maybe by the end of next week, that would just give us enough time to bring it all together, uh, and that'll be fab. So a huge thanks to Roger for recording the music uh, for, the, for the video. Thanks to Anna and Louise for doing the actions. Um, and uh, let's, let's do it. I really can't wait to see it all. Uh, so um, that's it from me. Uh, much love, much prayers to everybody. And I will see you soon. Hi, Paul. Um, Paul, I've just explained to the congregation that I'm going to uh, introduce you to them uh, this morning. I've explained a little bit about uh, what an assistant minister is and so on. So listen, it's really good to see you this morning. You doing okay? You. Yeah, we're doing well, thanks. Good. Yes, we're having lockdown. Yeah, good. Uh, strange times for all of us and certainly strange times for me to be introducing <laughs> an assistant minister to our church family. Paul, I'm going to ask you just a few questions to help us at least start to get to know you. Uh, Paul, where, whereabouts did you grow up? Where are you from? Yeah, so I'm from County Armagh, uh, the city of Armagh, as I like to say, uh, with our two cathedrals. And um, grew up there, attended, was a member of our First Armagh Presbyterian Church, went to the Royal School. So I think there are a few folk I went to school with after Patrick, actually. I can't see them right now, but they'll be maybe recognizing me. So yeah, give us a name or two for a laugh. I think some of the Rainies go there, and uh, yeah. Victoria Brownlee's uh, sister, yeah. I knew Victoria very well. She was in my year at school, um, and I'm sure a few other folk that I'll, I'll recognize when we actually get to be together again. Brilliant. Uh, so, so I'm just thinking Victoria Brownlee, that's Naomi's sister. So Naomi, from one, married into the other family that you know from Armagh. Yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. Um, where, where do you guys live now, Paul? Yeah, so we, I should probably say I'm married, you'll, you'll meet the rest of the family in a moment, um, but we now live in East Belfast. Um, I suppose I've been in Belfast since I was at university. Um, we lived for a little while out towards Hollywood direction. I was a teacher there, but now we live on the Craigie Road. We absolutely love it here. We've been here maybe eight years, I think. So not too far from Kirkpatrick at all. It's lovely to be just around the corner. Brilliant. Um, Paul, some people won't, um, or probably most of us won't understand very well the journey that you're on uh, with your work and your study and so on. So tell us a little bit about what you have been doing and, and where it's all heading. Yeah, so the the short answer, the easy answer is I'm at the end of my second year um, of studies at Union College, uh, preparing to be a minister in PCI. Um, it's quite a complicated pathway for me. So there are different aspects to it. You've got um, uh, church training. So you've got some uh, courses you have to do just to meet the requirements of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. And then we're also doing a diploma in ministry through PTFI. And then on top of that, I'm also doing a master's and it's called a, a research master's in theology at the moment. So I was chatting to Christoph before. I'm looking at the author Marilyn Robinson and her theology. And I think you're a little bit familiar with Marilyn Robinson and Kirkpatrick through Christoph. So I'm sorry you'll be hearing a lot more about her <laughs> in the next year or two. Brilliant. I, I look forward to that. Um, Paul, just one, one last question for you. Um, you. You've changed from a career in teaching. Uh, you would like to be a, a parish minister is, is where you're headed at the moment. Can, can I just ask you, what what made you want to to seek uh, that training, that preparation, and and ultimately to be a parish minister? What what brought you to that point? Well, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll try and keep it short. Um, I guess I've always had that call to ministry in my life, um, right from a young age, actually. And Emma, when we met at university, I did theology my first time around at university, uh, and minor did English. And we met studying English together. And Emma always said she never wanted to be married to a minister. You know, that was kind of her thing. Um, but I think we both knew even then that it was very much in the future for us. Now, I did resist it a lot. <laughs> I, for lots of reasons, did not want to go into ministry and ended up, like many people, going into teaching and absolutely loved it. I taught in Rockport School, which is out towards Hollywood, and Rockport's a, an interesting place. It's a very small community. 
I got to do a lot of really meaningful work with, with students where individuals were important. And I ended up being there for 10 years, um, ended up in a role in the management there. And so happy. And it was kind of in the last three or four years there when I was most happy, when things were going well, when I felt increasingly unsettled and felt God really calling me now out of this <laughs> and into something new. So I remember a conversation I had with Emma one night before bed where I just said, Emma, I think I'm being called to ministry. And as soon as I said it, it was like a weight being lifted off me. And um, we prayed about it. And the, the application process for PCI is quite long. I missed some early deadlines. So it was about two or three years actually applying. And I find that uh, process a little frustrating, but also actually in hindsight, really important because it was a time for us properly to discern this and to figure out, you know, God's leading in it all and whether it's, you know, what he wanted for us. And I've been, you know, being affirmed in lots of different ways along the way. So this is another stage in that process um, before ordination. So, yeah. Brilliant. Paul, you have mentioned Emma a few times there. Is, is she nearby? Can you get her That's to <laughs> the screen here? There we go. The empty chair. Got to be zoomed in. <laughs> Look at this, Emma. I can't believe it. She's just right there. How did that you know, Emma, good to meet you. We're introducing you this morning to the church family at Kirkpatrick Memorial. I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, we'll, we'll need to get to know you better in the future. Emma, what do you do with yourself um, so, work-wise? Uh, yeah. yeah, Paul mentioned that we met at university um, while studying English. And uh, I, like him, ended up becoming an English teacher, uh, which is what I'm still doing at the moment. Uh, sorry, one of one of our pups is joining us here, sorry. Um, <clears throat> and I've been teaching in Belfast High School uh, for the last, is it 10 or 11 years mm -hmm. now? Uh, I have never taught anywhere else. It's where I've always been. And um, I, uh, yeah, I teach English there um, in Belfast High. So, Emma, we, we were talking about this a moment ago off camera. Um, you, have, you have some connections with the Kirkpatrick congregation, there are some people you know quite well, already members of our congregation. Can you maybe make that clear? Yeah, one or two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for, uh, for for those of you that um, know Justin uh, and Lizzie Livingstone, Justin's my brother. And um, yeah, when we found out that we were going to Kirkpatrick, I was absolutely delighted the thought of getting to spend more time with them and um, getting to be in a place that they really love. They have been so happy in your congregation um, that uh, that really uh, helped us become very excited about the prospect of being with you um, for the next number of years. So. Brilliant. Brilliant. And oh, there's there's here's more of the family arriving here. Um, <laughs> so I had a chance to meet the kids a little bit earlier um, before we came on. So Daniel, and I was admiring Daniel's lovely Batman t-shirt. Hold him up there, Paul. We can't see the t Oh, look at that. There, there's a lovely t-shirt. Good man, Daniel. And Esther, um, Esther was telling me that she's six years old. Isn't that right, Esther? Yeah, P2. And you guys, um, your mom and dad, were telling me about this. You're quite excited to meet me because my name's Christoph. Is that right? Do you know any other Christophs? Yeah, from Frozen. Yeah, from Frozen. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah. Ask do you want to know if you have a reindeer, Christoph? I do. I was telling your mum and dad about this, and I will show it to you sometime. Uh, just don't have it handy here. <laughs> Camera, just at the moment. Um, guys, thank you all for joining me on the screen. I'm going to do something that we didn't talk about, but we'll do it very, very quickly. And that is, I'd love to pray for all of you. I'm going to do it in about 20 seconds. So for about 20 seconds. So if everybody can sit still, and I'm talking mostly to mom and dad at that point, if mom and dad can sit still for a few minutes, then a few seconds, let me pray. Lord, thank you for the ways you work in all of our lives. And thank you for those moments when you give us new uh, friendships and new partnerships, new brothers and sisters in our church family. So, Lord, we pray for Paul and for Emma, for Esther and for Daniel, and we pray that you would help us welcome them into our church family. 
that they'd be really happy among us and that you'd bless them and do them good. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you all for coming to our Zoom interview. I'm going to just stop recording here and let you go. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. A call to persevere in faith. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. Over the last couple of months, during this lockdown period, I've noticed something that I don't think I'd ever noticed to the same extent before. We're grateful for our church family. I understand that sometimes church can feel like a chore, like an unwelcome obligation in our busy lives. But take it away for a couple of months and we've learned that we miss the opportunity to gather. We've come to see in a fresh way that it really is good to be together. It seems to me that we appreciate our church family more whenever we know that we're feeling the strain. So a period of lockdown of enforced isolation, that places a strain on all of us. And it's done wonders for our sense of dependence on God and dependence on each other. We're coming to see in a new way that it's good to be together. The same holds true, I think, even when we're not in lockdown conditions. Often we appreciate our church family and our gatherings more in times when we're feeling the strain when we're feeling family pressures or pressures at work, when we've had a bad diagnosis from the doctor or when the bank just never quite seems to balance. It's in those times that we are clearer that we need God and that we need each other. Or the strain that we're feeling might simply be the strain that every Christian feels who wants to live faithfully for Jesus. Those who are taking their biblical identity seriously. The identity that we've been thinking about the last few weeks. We are people who are sent to witness to the living God with a gospel to proclaim. People who take that identity seriously know that they need help. They need the Holy Spirit's help and they need the encouragement of their brothers and sisters in Christ to keep going. We all need help to keep living for God's glory on our front lines. I mentioned our front lines last week when I was talking about how we are a people who send and are sent. We talked about how we send some people to serve God in different parts of the world, but at the same time, we send every church member every week to their front lines. We all have front lines. We all have places that God sends us in the name of Jesus and in the power of his spirit to proclaim the gospel and to witness to Christ. Throughout this church year, stretching back to the autumn time, we've been thinking about these things in a series of what we've called Frontline Sundays. Do you remember? For those of you who don't, and for those of you who weren't with us for that part of the journey, let me recap very quickly. We said that wherever we go and whatever we do, 
whoever we are, we can make all the difference in the world. This morning, in the last of this series of five Frontline Sundays, we're going to think about how it's together that we grow. Just now we're going to show a video. If you were with us for any of the previous four services in our Frontline Sunday series, you'll recognize the four characters in the videos. Uh, you've seen them all before a number of times on their front lines. This video is different because it doesn't show them on their front lines. It shows them rather at church. Notice how their greater understanding of their calling to their front lines has given them a greater appreciation for church. They're realizing that gathered worship is renewing and equipping them for scattered worship on their front lines. They've seen that it's good to be together. Gathered, welcomed, celebrated, restored, gathered together, encouraged, supported, loved, reminded who God is, hearts awed by his majesty, eyes seeing fresh, the wonder of grace, thankful, for his awesome, unwavering love. Reminded who I am. And all I have received. Challenged. Equipped. Renewed. Commissioned. Ready. Sent. continue in our worship together. We're going to use a song that we don't really know very well, but don't worry about that. Enjoy the music, listen to the words, join in as you get the hang of it. It's a brilliant song for reminding us of our identity in Jesus, whoever we are. The song's called Who You Say I Am. Today's Bible passage, uh, the one Emma read for us a few moments ago, is in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. It'd be great if you could have that open before you. We're not going to dig too deep into this passage this morning. The main point of the passage is quite clear, and it's that we need each other. Our times together as a church are vital if we're going to keep growing as whole life disciples of Jesus, people who flourish on our front lines. The stuff that we do together on Sundays has the power to change our scattered lives Monday to Saturday. After thinking about this passage a little bit this week, I think it has something to say to, to me, to you, and then to all of us together. So first of all, what does this passage have to say to the likes of me, a church leader? Well, as I offer an answer to that question, I'll start by saying that church leaders don't often ask that question. In the minds of most church leaders, the passage, uh, the message of this passage is very much aimed at the people. Don't give up meeting together, the preacher rants, as some are in the habit of doing. In my experience, that same church leader and preacher 
impresses home the first part of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, often forgets to read the rest of the verse and to hear the challenge that's implied there for church leaders. Yeah, the church family isn't supposed to give up meeting together, uh, and we are, but rather we're to encourage one another. Our gathering is supposed to be encouraging. As a leader, I want to take some responsibility for that. I hope you find our gatherings encouraging. As someone who was a church member before I was ever a minister, I know only too well that church life isn't always encouraging. But this is what we aspire to. We want our gatherings to be an encouragement to you. If you don't find our gatherings encouraging, please pray for me. Pray for all those who join me in leading these services and preaching and contributing to them. Pray that God would give us more of his spirit, more to share. If you have something that you'd like to share with our brothers and sisters here that would, would help them grow in their love for Jesus, give me a shout. And we'll see if we can find a way to share that. So there's a challenge here for me and to church leaders. Make sure that your gatherings are encouraging. Secondly, there's a challenge for you, every single member of our church family. And the challenge is crystal clear. It's to not give up meeting together. Folks, we live in a post-Christendom era. Church going as a cultural phenomenon is dying fast. It's probably dead. There's no pressure in the culture anymore for you to gather as followers of Jesus Christ. You'll only be with us uh, if you want to. The warning of this passage is to those who are still in the room, but who might be thinking of quitting. And so I ask you, if you're finding yourself a little less committed to church, a little patchy with your church attendance, those things that you're doing on a Sunday morning rather than coming to church, are they proving better for your walk with God? Is that round of golf, that bike ride, that lazy Sunday morning, is that growing you in Jesus? I suspect that it's not. It seems to me that people who drift from church are often drifting from Jesus too. So I ask you for the sake of your soul, let's not give up meeting together. So there's a message here for me, the church leader, a message for you, the church member. And third, there's a message for all of us together, the church family. Notice that this passage isn't written to an individual Christian. It's probably not even written to a, a particular congregation. This passage is part of a letter that was written to all the Jewish believers in the early church. And it comes to us now as a message for the entire church of Jesus Christ. It's not addressed to a singular you but to usums in the Ulster vernacular, plural. Let us, let us not give up meeting together. Have you ever considered that your church attendance isn't all about you? Have you ever considered your responsibility to encourage others by continuing to meet with them? We're a body, Paul tells us at a couple of points in his letters. We're to build each other up, is what he teaches. Tell me this. In your experience, which builds you up more? When your friend is beside you in church, lifting their voice with you in praise and in prayer, bending their ear along with you to God's word, or when you learn later in the week that they spent Sunday morning in bed or in the local cafe. It 
it's a no-brainer, isn't it? If you care about your soul and the soul of other members of our church family, you'll not give up meeting together. We're thinking this morning about the importance of our church gatherings and how they encourage us and equip us for our life with Jesus on our front lines. Together we grow. Let me encourage you for just a moment with a reflection on Kirkpatrick Memorial. Uh, during the early weeks of lockdown, I was invited to contribute to a PCI podcast, and the discussion was around how churches were coping with their new circumstances. At one point in the discussion, I was asked what impact the lockdown was having on Kirkpatrick, and I found myself explaining that we're a congregation made up of frontline workers. We know that we're part of God's family every bit as much on a Monday to Saturday, wherever we find ourselves, as we are when we're gathered on a Sunday. I explained that we have a strong, scattered church theology, and that in many ways that helps us in a season like this. I find myself hugely grateful to God for the church family here in Kirkpatrick Memorial. I had the opportunity this week to listen to a lecture that Jamie Smith gave at the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity a few months ago. At one point in the lecture, he was talking about the relationship between our gathered worship and our scattered lives. At this point in the lecture, it began to feel a bit like a science lesson, but that was good. A bit of homeschooling for me. He was talking about centrifugal and centripetal forces bit of GCSE and A-level physics for you. And he admitted that he often confused the two. Good, I thought, so do I. A centrifugal force is one that flings something out from the centre. It's like when you were giving your kid sister a burly and then you let go. It was the centrifugal force that caused her to fly. Was that only me? A centripetal force is one that in contrast draws something to the centre. The goal of Christian worship is, is centrifugal, not centripetal, Smith says. He says, you know that congregations are misunderstanding worship when the whole point of life seems to be to come to worship services into this club, staying together all the time. No, he says, a good worship service sends us out. Actually, in a healthy Christian life, there's a rhythm of these two forces. A centripetal gathering is followed by a centrifugal scattering. A centripetal gathering followed by a centrifugal scattering. We're drawn in and we're sent out. Christians go wrong whenever they neglect either one of these in the rhythm. Healthy Christianity, you see, isn't a matter of worship or mission. That's a false dichotomy. We don't have to choose between the sacred and the secular, between church and the city. No, it's our worship that prepares us for mission. We gather so that we can scatter. And it's when we're together that we grow. I want to spend the last moment just thanking God for our church family and praying that in the present and the future, as we gather, our gatherings would be increasingly effective to equip us for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of this community. We commend one another to you on our different front lines. Whoever we are, whatever we do, wherever we are, may the Holy Spirit guide us in all things so that we may do God's will in the world, in the service of Jesus Christ. 
and with great joy. Amen. We're coming to the end of our service, the last of these Frontline Sundays. In many ways, it's a strange time to be talking about Frontlines. After all, many of us aren't at our Frontlines at the minute. We're at home. But there's a sense that things are changing, or at least beginning to change. And so it's a good time to get ourselves ready, to prepare ourselves for going back, back to our front lines. And so to help you with that, this morning we would love to commission you. We would love to give you an opportunity to recommit yourself to life on your front line. And so I'm going to read a series of questions to you now, four questions. And if you would like, you may respond with, with the help of God, I will. I would also like to invite you to stand as we do this act of commissioning. It might seem a bit strange doing this in your own living room, but maybe it'll help you to engage a little bit more with this and also to create a sense that we're together, even though physically we're apart. So if you will, please stand with me now. Members of Kirkpatrick Memorial, as followers of Jesus Christ, will you embrace your front lines as places of possibility and potential in the purposes of God? Will you believe that God is already at work in these places? And will you give yourself unreservedly to his purposes in you and through you, wherever you are? With the help of God, we will. Will you trust God with the big things and the small things that you do day by day and seek to make all that you do on your front lines a part of your worship of him? Will you learn to rely on him, his power, his love and his grace, whatever you do? With the help of God, we will, as sons and daughters of your heavenly Father, will you believe that your value, your worth, your significance and your life on the front line flow first from this identity? Will you embrace the joy and freedom of being a child of God, whoever you are? With the help of God, we will, as the body of Christ, Will you commit yourself to encouraging and helping one another flourish in Christ and be fruitful on your front line? Will you learn to be the people of God, gathered and scattered, helping one another to make all the difference in the world? With the help of God, we will. And so Kirkpatrick we affirm your call to follow Christ in all of life, including your front line. We commission you to this life and work, and we pledge to you our prayers, encouragement, and support. Thanks to Alan, Paul, and Emma for contributing to this service today. It was Lovely to see Paul slipping into the dress code with no fuss. Pale blue shirts, it's what we're doing right now. Um, folks, you'll have seen in an email that we aren't going to be able to have an AGM this year, but we did circulate our documents, uh, three reports. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to, to view those reports, please get a wee look at them. Um, there, there should be with your email or in church suite resources. Uh, the big event that I want to tell you about and remind you of and invite you to is our corporate prayer gathering on Wednesday evening at 8 o'clock. We'd love everyone to come. The gathering is only going to last for 45 minutes. Um, it's going to be well uh, chaired and well looked after. You don't need to worry if you're not an expert in Zoom and how it works. If you can follow the link and get yourself there, we'll explain everything to you. Look out for the invitation in your emails and do join us at 8 o'clock on Wednesday evening if you possibly can. 
There are a couple of discipling opportunities with outside agencies that I'd like to draw to your attention. Both of these are known to us at Kirkpatrick, but every once in a while, it's good to remind you about them. The C.S. Lewis Northern Ireland uh, Fellows Program is looking for new fellows to start in the autumn time for a one-year discipleship program. Lots of people from Kirkpatrick have already uh, gone on the program and have benefited a whole lot from it. Uh, There's a video at the end of our playlist this morning if you'd want to learn more and consider applying for next year. The deadline's coming quite soon, so uh, do get a look at that and see if that's something that would be of interest to you. Uh, We host the Cornhill uh, Preaching School, uh, Cornhill Belfast, in our Kirkpatrick buildings, and each year we host along with them a summer school. Now, this year's summer school is going to be happening by Zoom. I've included some information about that in our emails going out to us. So if if you've maybe got time this year to go to a Cornhill summer school to learn more about the Bible and about preaching, uh, you might be interested. Have a look at the link in those emails and see if you want to, to look into that. I mentioned last week and at the start of her service, Claris Camino, uh, which she was doing for Made for More as a fundraiser for that charity. I should say one of the reasons I felt comfortable bringing that to you is that so many of our young people in Kirkpatrick have benefited from the work of Made for More, uh, either in church or in their schools over the last two or three years. And if you haven't had a chance but would still like to give, to that fundraising initiative. Have a look at the video at the end of the playlist or even just the link in our recent emails and you'll have a chance to give there. This week's extras, have a look for another postcards from home. Just keep your photos coming. We love seeing you, love seeing what everybody's up to, just remembering each other that way. Al's action video, which he mentioned earlier in the service, is in the playlist as well. And look out for a special guest introducing our City of Love soundtrack song uh, later in the playlist. We started our service this morning singing the song, Come, Now is the Time to Worship. And we're going to do something a little bit unusual now. We're going to close with the same song, but we're going to add a bit of a twist. Rather than singing Come, which served as a lovely invitation to come to gathered worship. We're going to sing, Go, now is the time to worship, to commission ourselves for our scattered worship this week, wherever we are. It's easy, really. Everywhere the video says come, you sing, Go. Go, now is the time to worship. Folks, it's been great to have you with us here today. It's great that you haven't given up gathering, even in these strange days. Let me share some of Paul's words with you as a kind of a commissioning blessing. Uh, These words from Romans 12, rendered so memorably in the message translation. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. God bless you as we scatter and as you continue to worship God on your front lines this week. Amen. Hi folks, in Kirkpatrick, it's Ricky Ross here from Deacon Blue. I hear that you're singing our song, City of Love, and we're very flattered. Uh, Keep making everywhere you go a city of love. Thanks. Maybe you didn't know there was a C.S. Lewis Institute in Belfast, but you probably know of C.S. Lewis, beloved author, scholar, and apologist. Perhaps you're a fan of his Chronicles of Narnia, or you've read his classic, Mere Christianity. Or you might recognize the name because he's so often quoted by others. His influence is why our ministry bears his name. The C.S. Lewis Institute was founded in 1976 in Washington, D.C. 
to complement the work of the church in making disciples. As we endeavor to answer Christ's call in the Great Commission, we value Lewis as an example. You see, Lewis was a layperson who sought to serve the Lord where God had planted him. And that is our aim, to disciple men and women who will impact their sphere of influence with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2016, the C.S. Lewis Institute came to Belfast, the hometown of C.S. Lewis. Since then, we've shared the same mission as our headquarters in D.C., and now more than 15 extensions across the U.S. and abroad. In the legacy of C.S. Lewis, we develop wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ who will articulate, defend, share, and live their faith in personal and public life. How do we accomplish this mission? We sponsor events meant to address contemporary issues from a Christian worldview. We develop resources designed to nurture discipleship of heart and mind. We provide the Fellows Program, a one to two year discipleship experience designed for men and women who want to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ and deepen their understanding and practice of a God-centered life. The Fellows Program is unique because of its rigorous curriculum, monthly one-on-one -on -one meetings with a mentor, and highly committed community. Each month is focused on a theme and begins with personal Bible study. Fellows then read from a variety of authors, not just Lewis, and learn from relevant audio and video resources. Fellows have described the experience as transforming my prayer life and helping me focus on what is essential and making sense of how biblical truths fit together. Like its city, the C.S. Lewis Institute Belfast community is diverse made up of people from a range of denominations, age groups, and cultural backgrounds. We invite you to join us, attend an event, check out our resources, or consider participating in our programs. Learn more at cslewisinstitute.org forward slash Belfast.